Everywhere you look, deflation, recession, deflationary recession. Well, almost everywhere you look. We're getting to that point where the ambiguity of the early stages of any recession, let alone a deflationary recession, is being cleared up and cleared up rather quickly, a little too quickly. It's commonplace to have that ambiguity. So you look at economic data and say, well, some of it's good, some of it's not so good. Are we in recession? Are we heading to recession? Maybe it's a soft landing. You have this period of confusion where it's difficult to tell which way to turn, which is why we always rely on the marketplace, these curves to tell us what the system itself is thinking along those same lines. And the curves have said all along which way we were heading. And everything that has developed since curves first inverted early last year has been consistent with those predictions and forecasts. More forecasts than actual predictions because we don't actually make predictions here. Balance of probabilities was always leaning heavily toward deflation and recession and eventually deflationary recession. And over the last really couple weeks or so, especially now that the debt ceiling has been cleared up, more and more, more less and less ambiguity, more and more clarity in almost every way you look. Let's start with the rates markets. Now that the debt ceiling has been reached, they're gonna raise the limits. Treasury yields, which had been backing up, are no longer backing up. They're backing, going back down all over again. The two-year Treasury note, which had been around 4% before this debt ceiling fear started to show up in the marketplace, got as high as 463 last Friday. Now for the second straight day, it's down to 442. The 10-year Treasury was up in the 380s. It's 365 and falling. Even the Treasury bills, which had been pushed up by money market funds, deathly over overabundance of caution, afraid of, of Treasury bill issues that might come due when Treasury wasn't able to make a payment. Uh, the four week, some of the four-week Treasury uh, Q-SIPs, they had been as high as 6% and above. The four-week, the gen generic four-week, down to around 515. So as the debt ceiling fears start to disappear, because that was never really a big deal to begin with, global markets, not just U.S. Treasuries, rates are going back down again, just as we expected. And as rates are going down, unlike conventional wisdom, the dollar is going back up again. Another concerning deflation and recession sign. And it's going back up in particular against the key Asian currencies. China's yuan, for reasons that we'll see in just a moment, uh, the yuan back to 7.11, that's down to 7.11 to the dollar. Japanese yen's roughly 140 to the dollar again. Indian rupee, 82.70, right at the RBI's intervention line. Even the euro has gotten to be weaker against the U.S. dollar. Again, alarming signs that the dollar has been reawakened by deflation and recession. So what's left for the soft landing? Remember, the soft landing scenario was predicated largely on three major uh, points. The first was... China reopening. China reopening was going to save the world. A boost of buying that was, was going to keep us from recession, if not do too much, too much buying, that would lead us back into reignited inflation. Many thought that was going to be the case. The second part was, of course, Europe survived this electricity nightmare. Sentiment was rising. Europe would avoid a recession. Therefore, that would be positive for the global economy too. And the third one, U.S. labor market. The U.S. labor market data would remain strong, and that labor market data, unlike in previous periods, would actually be useful representation 
of the actual labor market and economic condition. So of those three major points, China reopening, that's already dead. And we got more data today that buries it even further. Europe, we already know Germany's in recession. It didn't not, not only did it not avoid a recession, it's been in recession for quite some time and Europe is not far behind. So that just leaves us with U.S. labor data, which jolts came in today and more absurdity there. So as I said, deflation and recession and deflationary recession almost everywhere you look as the ambiguity turns to clarity. It's not inflation or growth clarity, unfortunately, apart from ridiculous jolts numbers and labor data. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University memberships, background details, what money is, how it works, how it circulates, how it's supposed to circulate, what the Fed is and what the Fed really does. Membership content available for you there. Research subscriptions, where we talk about those same things, but in a more current context. What is going on right now? What does it mean as far as money, finance, and economy? And what will it likely mean, not just today, but also tomorrow? I do a daily briefing, partnership with marketsinsiderpro.com, as well as a daily deep dive analysis at our website at Eurodollar University. All the information, memberships and research subscriptions, eurodollar.university. Markets, commodities, deflation, rates, forward rates, we're all going back toward deflation. Macroeconomic data, we've got a whole bunch of it this week. Vast majority, recession and deflation. China, Europe, the one outlier, and it is a true outlier, has been the U.S. labor market. Not just the unemployment rate, but more so jolts and its job openings number. Today, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported the jolts number for the month of April. And it was a doozy, a real doozy. Now, jolts, I think most people have finally resigned themselves into understanding how, especially the jobs opening number, has way, way, way overstated job openings all along here. Really, not just, not just since 2020, but also even going back to 2018 when the jolts job openings number just surged way ahead of everything else too. And if you relied on that plus the unemployment rate in 2018 or 2021, you would have thought hot labor market, rising wages, therefore inflation, just like the Federal Reserve did back in 2018, 2019, when it proved in 2018, 2019 to have been a false signal. Now, while we did get consumer prices to rise in 2021 and 2022, it had nothing to do with job openings or the unemployment rate because the unemployment rate at least and job openings, both of those continue to be relatively robust, yet consumer prices are tailing off. Maybe not as fast as most people would like, certainly not as fast as the Federal Reserve demands, but consumer price pressures are diminishing and are likely to diminish rapidly over the months ahead, regardless of what JOLTS or the unemployment rate says. What did JOLTS say? For the month of April, suddenly job openings rebounded to 10.1 million, which is just astronomical. And even last month, the previous month of March, which had been 9.5 million, which was the lowest in quite some time, that got revised up to 9.75 million. Just utterly absurd and ridiculous. True outlier. It's even a true outlier in its own survey and series. Uh, the rest of the JOLTS data, the quits number, 
3.79 million, that's down from 3.84 million. So quits are going down, which is a sign that workers are a little bit more nervous about quitting their job that they can find a new one. Hires, which is probably the biggest one if jolts, stuck at around 6.1 million for the second month in a row. That's not a great number, consistent with other labor data, which suggests at the very least a slowdown in hiring. Slowdown in hiring, yet job opening says demand for labor is still through the roof and got even hotter in April, though that could just be a one month fluctuation. It's complete outlier, complete outlier. Other than the unemployment rate, you look around, it used to be there were other macroeconomic accounts that were at least somewhat plausibly strong, somewhat plausibly resilient, like job opening. Well, not quite as bad as job, job opening, but at least in the same category. But more and more, especially around the rest of the world, including the United States, as I mentioned, GDI, looks like we're in recession already. That's what you see. The ambiguity is rapidly disappearing and becoming clarity. Deflation in the markets that we can see coming, deflation showing up in the macroeconomic data, all consistent with what the curves had been telling us to expect all along, ebbs and flows along the way notwithstanding. A big one last night, China. So the U.S. labor data continues to be the lone outlier, the lone source of hope for a soft landing. China reopening, that was, as I said, already dead and buried before we got to this week. And then what was left of it has just been buried under even more data, given what, uh, given the data the Chinese government put out yesterday, well, today in, in Chinese time. The official government PMIs for manufacturing, I love how it was characterized, unexpectedly fell further into contraction. 48.8 for the month of May compared to 49.2 in April, new orders down to 48.3 from 48.8. And more importantly for the global context, export orders, the export orders index 47.2 compared to 47.6. So just like we see in the domestic manufacturing sector, which I'll get to in a minute, orders contracting, backlogs falling, PMIs down, indicating global trade recession that importantly appears to be spilling over into China's internal economy. Remember how this was supposed to go. China's reopening was supposed to be so robust, it picked everyone else up so that we would avoid recession, let alone deflation. It might even, might even restart inflation, many thought. What we said all along and what the markets told us to expect all along was that the opposite would happen. Not only would China reopening fizzle out like it did last year after Shanghai, that China itself would be pulled into the global recession along with everyone else. And as it is turning out in the data, just like the markets, China is being pulled into the global recession. Not only did reopening fail, it's getting worse. The non-manufacturing PMI, the, the overall index dropped to all the way back to 54.5 from 56.4. Remember it had spiked up in March to its highest in over a decade. And that seems like a distant memory now, especially when you look at the new orders number. New orders, 49 and a half from 56. So more saying new orders are contracting in May than are expanding. This is non-manufacturing, suggesting is exactly what I just said. 
that not only did China reopening fail, China is being pulled into the recession along with everyone else. Foreign orders, 49.7 from 52.1. Again, non-manufacturing. So you have global trade recession, global economic recession, of which now China, not only can we not depend upon it for keeping us out of it, it looks like it's being dragged right into everything, which is why we see deflation not just in, in commodity prices, but also goods prices, but especially commodity prices. I've talked about copper oil today, back below $70, back below $69, Contango expanding across the USTI, the WTI futures curve. Steel prices, steel prices are right there at a multi-year low, threatening to go to their lowest since May, 2020. That's Shanghai steel prices because of the weakness that's developing in the Chinese economy as it gets dragged down with the rest of us. The Baltic Dry Index, remember the Baltic Dry? A couple months ago, that was nearing a record low, which told you that maybe China reopening wasn't going so well. Then it bounced. It went on a uh, several week run where it jumped from almost a record low all the way up into around 1500, which wasn't that high for the Baltic Dry, but at least it was better than record low during reopening. Well, it kind of went sideways for a few months there, and now the Baltic Dry is plunging yet again, going back to around May 10th when it was 1634. As of today, it's 977 and falling back toward more closer, closer to the record low. As I said in the opening, less ambiguity, more clarity, China, commodities, deflation, recession, deflationary recession is showing up almost everywhere. And that includes the U.S. economy. While the labor data jolts might, look, make, might, might make it seem as if the U.S. economy is doing fine, consistent with what the markets are saying, the rest of the economic data is best ugly, if not horrific. And it's not just manufacturing. We got service numbers, especially from the regional Fed surveys, which show the services sector economy is contracting at a substantial rate too. Chicago Fed survey was down big. The Richmond Fed rebounded somewhat in April. We'll get the May data, or actually rebounded in May um, from April, but that was still deeply negative. And today we get the Dallas Fed service survey on services, and it was just ugly all the way around business activity at minus 17.3 that's incredibly low i think that's the second low of the cycle second lowest of the cycle uh solidly recession there the future business activity index minus 13.2 same thing solidly recession there so by sentiment surveys and pmis services not like the uh, the jolts data, not like the unemployment rate at all. If anything, it appears more and more likely that businesses are going to have to start cutting workers more than they already have. And that goes doubly so for the manufacturing sector, where the numbers are just out of they're they're even worse. Um, like China's PMIs, U.S. PMIs of late have been just uniformly ugly. The regional Fed manufacturing surveys, which we got yesterday with the Dallas Fed, so all five, the average of those five, minus 17 and a half. That's a new cycle low, the worst since 2020. Solid recession territory. The average of new orders, minus 19.2, another new low. Solidly recession territory. 
Oh, we even got the ISM Chicago Business Barometer. Manufacturing in the Midwest today, 40.4. That's the second worst behind only November since 2020. So as I said, one thing after another after another, apart from U.S. labor data, deflation and recession. And as we continue in this direction, which markets are again, now that we're past the debt ceiling, uniformly pricing that we're going to continue to move in this deflation and recession direction. Not only are we going to have to talk about deflation and recession or deflationary recession, we're going to start hearing about banks again because banks are ultra exposed to economic factors, include not just commercial real estate, but especially commercial real estate, along with all the other factors that we've talked about on this show. The more we get into deflation, the more we get into recession globally, not just locally, the more it's going to, trouble, it's going to plague banks here. And as I mentioned yesterday, banks outside the U.S. too. This is not about the Fed. It's not about rate hikes. It's not about the ECB. It's not about central banks at all. Global deflation and recession. Those are becoming more and more clear, more and more uniform, more and more there everywhere. Just not quite everywhere just yet. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you. Eurodollar University members, Eurodollar University subscribers, Markets Insider Pro, Pro subscribers, all of you. Until next time, take care.